You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. At the very beginning of the Bible, we see God's good vision for the world, creation in harmony with humanity, and humanity in harmony with God. Join us for our series, Sacred, Genesis 1 and 2. Peace be with you. How you doing, family? Yeah, I told Jamal he need to be careful what he says. because I'm about to get up here and talk for an hour. All right? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, it was Chicago that had me stranded last night, uh, canceled my flight. So I apologize if I'm wearing a, a sweatshirt uh, uh, today. Y'all looking like, oh, he don't care about what he look like. Uh, I care. I ain't got my, cl- I ain't got my clothes. But, uh, but, but you're going to help me preach this day today. Man, so I'm, I'm so thankful to be here. We bid you greetings from Oakland, California, and uh, so thankful uh, to be able to be here with you uh, today. And, um, and I got to say that um, as uh, Pastor Jamal talked about uh, what this church does and the gifts that you all give, uh, we're so thankful as we're on the field in the most unchurched area in our country, in the Bay, California. We are so thankful for those gifts and plenty of church there. We're thankful for all the work that we've been able to do. Uh, we've been on the ground for three years. Three years we were commissioned from Sojourn. And so much time and, and so much work has been done as a result of your prayers, your laboring with us. Thank you. Thank you and thank you. And we're talking about a very important topic today. We're talking about this idea of rest. And, and, and the question I, I want to deal with just initially is that since you all pray with us and commission us, well, how are we doing? How are we even doing with this idea of rest? And I, and I have to tell you, I don't know if is you are experiencing the same thing, but over the last three years, I have to tell you that there were many times where, where my experience in ministry wasn't really restful. Over three years, uh, we hit the bay, and the Lord has been doing so much great work, and, and there's always work to be done, and we pride ourselves in the work that we were doing, the gospel work that we were doing in the bay. But there were also many times that I have to tell you that uh, we were doing it also out of our own strength as well. Can I be honest this morning? Y'all going to judge me this morning? All right. There were times where I said that, Lord, I, I, I think that there's something about what I'm doing and how we're doing it. It's not correct because I, the, the, the state that my internal world is in is sometimes chaotic. Has anybody ever been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there were times where I'm saying, Lord, I need you to do something on the inside because even the work that I'm doing, I believe it is good. And everyone from the outside, they say that, listen, that was a, that's a glorious work that you're doing. But they had no idea about what was going on on the inside of me. There were times also that Desiree and I, we just said that, listen, listen, the way that we're doing this and all the good stuff that we're, we're doing, listen, we, we have to stop. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you said, where your body said that I'm going to stop if you don't stop? As a matter of fact, there's a lot of time I spent the most time in the hospital in, in my life in over these last three years. There's a lot that was going on in the name of the Lord. However, I was yearning for the rest that the Lord offers and that the Lord promises. And there are some things that I learned, and there's some things that I learned the hard way, even when doing good things in the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. How are you doing with rest? That's what we're talking about this morning, this idea of sacred rest, this thing that God gives us. How are you doing with rest? 
How is your eternal world doing? Have you experienced the fruit of the gospel that God gives you when Jesus says, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest? Have you experienced that rest? Are you regularly experiencing that rest? Well, I'm going to do something here, and maybe this will be a helpful tool for you, and you can kind of see where you are. Pete Scazzaro, in his work, Emotionally Healthy Leader, he gives these list of questions to help us to self-evaluate and self-discover how we may be doing in the area of rest. Listen to these questions here and see how you're doing. No judgment zone, okay? No judgment zone. First question he says, he says, do you get more excited about your work than about family or anything else? That might be an indicator that there's something going on that's awry. Do you take work with you to bed on weekends, on vacation? Is work the activity you like to do best and talk about most? Ooh, you ain't got to say amen. (laughs) You can say, okay. Do you work more than 40 hours a week? Have your family or friends given up expecting you on time? Do you take on extra work because you are concerned that it won't otherwise get done? I, I need to be the one to do it. No one else is going to do it, and it won't get done if, unless I, I do it. Do you underestimate how long a project will take and then rush to complete it? Amen for all of us people who, we, get, we just get it done, all right? Don't worry about what quality, we just get it done. Do you get impatient with people who have other priorities besides work? You tempted to believe that, oh, that you ain't serious. You, you, ain't, you ain't serious enough. You're not uh, diligent enough. You're not committed enough. Have your long hours hurt your family or other relationships? Is that you? Have you answered yes to any one of those questions? And, and if you did, then there might be some issues going on. And, and there may be an invitation for all of us that, that God gives us. Because what they're realizing more and more than ever in looking at the American culture, they said that we are the most overworked culture in the history of the world. We're the most overworked nation in the history of the world. And as a matter of fact, science is doing a lot of uh, research around this area and how it actually affects us. And I don't think that I need a bunch of research to to realize, and I don't think that you need a bunch of uh, research to realize what's going on within us and how, how we experience life throughout our weeks. But I'll give you this anyway. Let me be a doctor here for a second. Just like I said in the last section, let me be careful when I say that because somebody's going to tell me that's illegal to do or something like that. I'm not a doctor. I am working on my doctorate, all right? But I'm not a medical doctor for the record. It says there's a science behind uh, workaholism, if you will. Uh, and I said, this is a part of God's science. They say that, listen, they're doing research right now, and they see that, listen, when there is a consistent pattern of overworking, it impacts the neurochemistry of the brain. The neurochemistry of the brain, what happens is that when we are always in an intense environment, apparently the body releases hormones to allow us to rise to the occasion. That's the way the God makes the body so you can actually be able to get done when you, what you need to get done in light of emergency. But the problem is, is that we, li- we don't just visit that space. We live in that space. We li- Am I talking to anybody here? 
We live in that space, and the body is constantly overproducing hormones so you can continue to live in this place that you're only supposed to visit, and it's causing a chemical dependency where we say that, listen, the most terrifying thing that you can put in my face is a quiet room. It says that, no, I don't want a quiet room. I, I don't know how to rest. And then when you say that, I, you, I want to give you some Sabbath rest. Oh, I, I'm good. There's always something else that needs to get done. I need to get this done. I need to get it done. Well, we don't even know how to be human being. All we know how to do is be human doing. It says, listen, there is so much more to, uh, to life that God wants for us. God wants rest for us. And let me tell you right now, I realized over three years that, Lord, I want the other thing. I don't need the reputation. I don't need to be the best this or the best that, the best church plant, the best that. I don't need to be any, I don't need any of that. Lord, I need your rest. I need to be sustained for the long haul, Lord. I want you. I want more of you. I want more of you, Lord not more of what I have to offer, Lord. And so if that's you, if you answer yes to any of those questions, if you find yourself this, uh, shaking the leg and shaking the knee and don't know why people ask, like, what's wrong with you? Do you have, what's going on? Why you can't stop? Why you can't stop moving? <laughs> it's that, hey, there may be, this may be some hope for you and it's some hope for me. God gives a sacred rhythm, family. God gives a sacred rhythm, and this sacred rhythm is rest. He gives you this rhythm as a gift to you and a gift to, uh, to myself, and I'm so thankful that God gives this to us. It's a gift. And let me just say you this. When we talk about rhythm, when we talk about rhythm, there's a question that we can ask ourselves, because I love rhythm, and we, we all like rhythm. Even if you don't have rhythm, that's okay. Uh, you, you like to dance with a song with rhythm, amen, but, but we like rhythm because it, it has this predictable pattern where you can actually enjoy this intense work of this, of this thing called music or rhythm, and then there is relief. There's expected relief, and when the relief doesn't come, bump, bump, bump. I need the relief. Bum. It's relief that we look for. God gives it. And here's the thing. When our lives are not in that rhythm, are not in rhythm, you know what they call that? that it means that the, your life needs entombment. Even technically speaking, when you talk about entombment, you know what it means? Uncountable. You can't count. It's chaotic. You can't count the rhythm. I wonder if people, if they can describe how your life sounds, how would they describe it? Uncountable? Chaotic? There's some hope for us this morning. Let's go ahead and get into the, into the text. Why do we rest? Why do we need it? What's the basis for it? The first point I want to just real, take us to real quick is our basis for Sabbath rest. Let's go ahead and read in verse 1. Moses writes, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. The basis of it is what God does and the activity that God has committed himself to. You all been uh, learning uh, through this series some of the different things in which God has provided for us. And we see that in the work of his creation, God has done marvelous things. 
God set his mind out to uh, complete the creation, and he does it through the triune God, his triune person. you got the spirit in the beginning hovering over the void. You have the second person of the Trinity doing the bidding of the declaration of the Father. The let there be's becomes the doing of the second person of the Trinity, and then God finishes and completes his work. Three times it says here that three times uh, that, that God finished his work. He finished his work. He finished his work. It's finished. Three times. And then it says that God rested on the seventh day. I want you to notice, don't miss the fact that just in three times in this first uh, three verses of chapter two, that it says that God finished his work. He finished his work. He finished his work. Then it says that God rested as well. He worked, worked, worked. He finished, he completed, he rests. They both go hand in hand. The basis of this thing, we find it in creation. We find it in what God does. God does it, and we need to do it. And we're not talking, I heard something that Pastor Jamal says, we're not talking about balance, family. He said that there's nothing really ever balanced, is there? Life is not imbalanced. We don't ever experience necessarily life imbalanced, but there is rhythm. There are such things as rhythms, and this is a rhythm that God has given us, a rhythm where God works and then a rhythm where God rests. But let me ask this question. Another question I need, we need to deal with real quick before we can apply this and what this means for our life here. In Psalm 121, verse 4, like, how does God rest? Anybody have, like, like, what does that mean that God rested? We learn in Psalm 121 here that God never sleeps nor slumbers, so how do you rest? It's found in the definition of what it means to rest. It's found in the very definition. I'm glad you asked the question of what it means to rest. I'm going to answer it now. It literally means to desist from work. Desist. That means everything. Stop. Well, I got a little bit more to go. No, it means to stop. Put it down. There's no more to do. Put it down. Well, God, he was able to complete it because he was actually finished. Well, you are not God. It means to desist and put it down. Listen, let me tell you this. The basis of what God wants from you does not start with you. Its foundation is in the completion of his work and the satisfaction of his offered rest. We do this because of what God did. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That sounds like the gospel doesn't. His love for you does not start just simply with you. His love starts because it starts within him. It starts with himself. It starts with his glory. But your acceptance before God does not start with you. You don't work for God's love. We work out of God's love. It doesn't start with you. It starts with him. Praise the Lord for that. God worked, then he rested. And so now we have the basis for it, and then you have this bidding. Let's get into the bidding. Our call to Sabbath rest. We have a call to Sabbath rest. Verse 3, Moses writes, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God blessed the seventh day. This is odd. How in the world can a day be blessed? In the Bible, overwhelmingly, only animated things are blessed. People are blessed. God is blessed. He receives blessings from his people. Even animals are blessed. But in what way is a day blessed? 
The day is blessed, the, uh, the, the scripture says here, because it has an association with divine blessing, and divine blessing is associated with that which leads to fruitfulness and success as a result of God's favor. The day is blessed because it's sacred that there's a sense in which if you abide and if you observe this day, there's a way in which you can receive God's favor and God's gift to you in a way that can only be received by observing a Sabbath rest. It says here that in Mark 24, Mark 2 and 27, that the Sabbath was made for, uh, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We learned here that, listen, it's not that a law that is meant to bind your conscience that you may fulfill a legal obligation. It's a gift for you, beloved. It's a gift for me, and it was a gift for me for the three years that I've been in Oakland, and it's a gift for you right now. And that's a gift that we often do not take advantage of, this gift that God is giving us. The Sabbath is an apologetic. It's this defense of the initial gifts to humanity, the gift of himself, the gift of life, the gift of creation, the gift of relationship, and the gift of Sabbath. God gives it as a gift for us. See, the Sabbath is for you because it's God's blessing for you. This is also important that it is the first thing ever made holy in Scripture. It's the first thing, which means that it bears a special status belonging only to God. There is the sacredness of our rest. This is a biblical foundation. It's a biblical apologetic as to why we need to celebrate this. Listen, simply put, if God stops working, you stop working. God stops working not because he's tired. God stops working. He doesn't need to stop. He doesn't need rest. But God stops working, and we need rest. How much more should we stop working? Lastly, what I would say to us as an apologetic as to why we should observe this day before we get into some of the application for this is that some of us would say to ourselves, okay, well, I don't want to abide by the law. That You're trying to get me to abide by the law, Pastor, and I'm not going to do it. Let me submit to you for real quick something very obvious. This was submitted and this was given to us as a commandment over a thousand years before the law was even given to us. Do I have an argument against it? It's something that the Lord gives to us before the law is even given. It's something that the Lord gives to us that we may abide by. I like the way Pete Scazzaro says this. Listen, he says that God's Sabbath rhythm is a reflection of the rhythm that undergirds all of creation. It's something that the Lord gives to us before the law is given, and it's meant for us to abide by and observe for us that we may reap from its benefits. All right. I think we're convinced that this is a good idea. I think we're convinced that this is a good idea. Let me spend a couple of moments here try, uh, examining just real quick. What's the cause of this thing? Like, we get work. Like, God work, and we ready to high five. That's right. I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to do my thing. She works hard for the money in a godly way. We, we, we get it. We get it. She works hard. He works hard. We get work. Why do we need to spend a whole time talking about rest? Because we don't get rest very well. 
We don't get rest very well, and there's many motivations for that, and there's many motivations for me, even in Oakland, California. And let me just lay out and submit to you a couple of things as to why this may be an issue for us. One, the issue, the problem that we have, and why we wrestle with getting rest for ourselves is that it's not necessarily external, brother and sister, it's internal. It's not external so much, it's internal, which means that the problem that we have is the stuff on the inside of us where we have external realities that has such great control over our internal worlds. People place uh, responsibilities over us. People say that I, I demand this, and sometimes they don't, it's unspoken demands, and it's what we think, and, and it's outside telling us on the inside that we need to do this thing to perform and to keep going and to keep doing and to keep doing and to keep doing. It's an external, it's an internal reality, not external. Every culture, we can blame it on America, we can blame it on the history, we can blame it on other people. They keep telling me to do this, they want me to do that, but the reality is the issue is on the inside, brother and sister. The second thing is that the problem is not the impossibility of schedules. How many times did we say that? My schedule's too busy. Do you like saying that a lot? Do I like saying that a lot? Every time somebody called me, they like, they already know what I'm gonna say, they can calculate. Let me just say it with you, James, okay? I'm too busy, jinx. You owe me a soda now. They say that, that, that that's often what we do. I'm just too busy. The problem is not the impossibility of our schedules. Let me submit to you that it's the inhabitation of the reality of sin. Sin in our being, sin in, the, in, the, in humanity. One, as one commentator uh, rightly points out, that it's sin that brings turmoil to the heart and turmoil to things. It is sin. And let me also submit to you as well that one of the many names for our enemy, the, the devil and, and Satan, is Diablo, the devil, which literally means disruptor. Someone who's constantly throwing things in the mix to disrupt your peace, to disrupt your joy, to disrupt your rest. It's a part of the tactic of the enemy. It's this thing called sin in the world. It's a lack of rest in creation that too often leads to a worship of creation because we continue to run to creation to provide us this relief that we so desperately want. But God is saying all along that I want you to come to me, come to me, come to me. I have something for you, for your rest and for your joy. I have something for you. See, this restlessness that we have. We know that this restlessness that we, that we experience in this life it is so easily motivated and so easily provoked by these machines in our pockets that we call cell phones as we are just one click away from these, this news in the world that brings so much angst into our, our souls. We have so many motivations, but I believe that a primary motivation, as Skazero helps us to think through this, is this idea of shame. It's shame. Shame is the voice that constantly instructs our, our doing and instructs us to keep going, keep going, keep going. I allowed that, and I don't know if it's you, but I allowed that to define me too much, too long. And I said, Lord, while I'm doing this work, I will no longer, Lord, help me to no longer allow my shame to motivate what I do. Shame says that, listen, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt says that I did something wrong, and shame says that I am something wrong. I am inadequate. I am not enough. I need to keep doing. I have to demonstrate to the world why I am worthy, and so I let me get to doing my performances so everybody can know how worthy I am. 
And we have these different symbols that will communicate why we are worthy and how we are worthy. We do it in a way that we style. We want to show the people that, listen, I'm of this socioeconomic bracket and, and then I'm, I'm, I'm worthy. We do it in, 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 how, in, in our, our houses. We can have the perfect house, the, the one that we really want for our own lives, and then let somebody next to us, you know, do their house all well and do it all up and say, ah, oh, my house is no longer the, the, the stuff. I'm feeling discontent. I got to keep up. I got to do something else. I got to get myself into more debt in order to keep up. It is shame. And I know I'm talking to somebody in here. It's the shame with the parents the shame that they feel that I'm not a good mother, I'm not a good father, and so let me continue to do things to quiet the voice of the shame in my life, or it's out of shame that we do so much. It's out of shame that we do so much. How can we rest in this frantic world when we provide no restful abode for our souls because we're so driven by these internal voices and these external voices? Lord, help us. Well, I praise the Lord that God has provided a balm for Gilead. That God has provided something for us, and we'll, we'll realize that it's not just in a, in a, in a day, but it's in a, in a person. But when you talk about the causes of all the shame that we, and all the restlessness, and all the, the stuff that we're experiencing that says that, makes us say that, listen, I don't want to do this thing called Sabbath. We realize, I think this illustration helps us to realize the danger of this thing and what it's causing and the necessity of Sabbath. See, this is something I also realized in my own life. This is a, a true story. There was a, this, this woman that she owned this great uh, a deal of acreage and property. It had been in her family for, for years. And she had this beautiful garden and she kept it, but she had cattle. And the cattle, uh, was they, uh, they grazed the, the property and they grazed the fields of her property. The problem that she had and the problem that the generations before her had with this particular property is that, listen, we have this cattle, they're grazing it, but there is always this issue of overgrazing the field. Stay with me. Overgrazing the field. And so in order to deal with this problem, she said that, listen, I believe what I need is I need more acreage in order for my cows and for my cattle to be sustained for them to receive necessary sustenance. I need more, more, more. How often is that the solution for us? That we just simply need more time to do this and more of this and more of that. Somebody came by her, her, her garden before and they, they wanted to admire her garden, but they noticed that something is not quite right here in the way that you feed your, your cattle. They said, that, listen, this beautiful garden here, but have you tried this? This is what you should try. They said that, listen, you should quarter up your land, quarter it up, and then allow your, 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 your cattle to eat off of one quarter per quarter in the year. That seemed antithetical to her dilemma. Why? Because you're telling me to shrink the space that, she, uh, that I'm uh, uh, feeding my cattle, shrink the space, and that's going to deal with my problem. She was skeptical, but she did it anyway. A year later, when he came back to visit her, she said that, oh, my word, I got a praise report for you. She didn't say praise report, but you know, come on, we church folk. <laughs> what she realized is that as a result of giving rest to the other parts of the land, there was a, there's some growth that was allowed to happen that she had never discovered before. As a matter of fact, she never even discovered that, she never knew that beneath the, the, the surface of the, the soil that there were seeds that were ready to grow but never had a chance to grow because there were, uh, they were being easily trampled by the cattle. 
See, it wasn't enough to simply take the cattle and move them over here for a couple of days and then bring them back over here because just a small amount of trampling would destroy the seeds. And she said that for the first time, she sees that her field is able to grow things that she never, ever seen. I hope you see where I'm going here. You don't, the call here and the answer for her is the same answer for us. When God is inviting us to, it's not a little rest. It's not a little respite. It's an absolute rest, which means that stop altogether. Stop what you can do. Stop what you're doing in order to reap the benefits of what God has for you with Sabbath rest. It seems antithetical. It seems antithetical to even our mission in Oakland. God, wait a minute, you're telling me to stop right now when I just want to, I need to go. There's people that need the gospel, Lord. There's things that need to be done. I have neighbors that need to be served. There's things that need to be done. God invites us to stop, desist with an absolute rest in order for you to discover and for you to realize and for me to realize as well as my church some things that can only happen as a result of absolute stoppage and absolute rest. This is why we have to identify full rest in our week, the rhythm of rest. And let me tell you this, I am encouraged by this because I believe that God gives us something that can only happen, deeper capacities, deeper capacities for love, deeper capacities for relationship, deeper capacities for, for just things in life that we didn't even know was even there in the same way that those seeds that they had never even knew was beneath the soil for generations. Say that, listen, you didn't even know that was there. Give it some rest and watch what God can do. This is not pop theology or pop psychology here. This is some good gospel truth for our lives, practical for us. Let me go ahead and give some application for us today. Because God has given us an invitation for us to model rest in this frantic world. Model rest for our children and model rest for our friends and model rest for one another. Don't model what the world models and we chase behind that. No, model rest for one another. Model rest for one another. And it takes so much courage to do so. This is the cure that I believe. And looking at the, 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 the condition and the, the, the cause of this, um, this restlessness, here's the cure that God gives us. He gives it ultimately in a person, but he gives us some, some practical things. And I think that there's some practical things that would be very helpful. One, listen to me, beloved. Listen, here's some practical things. Identify. Identify and desist from work for a full 24-hour period. It is important. It is desperately important. And I'm not even talking about this. It's not simply just, just out of just, just judgery. It should be out of delight, and it's out of this desperation that we need this. I, I, I need this. You need this. Identify a 24-hour period where you stop. Well, what do I do on that time, during that time, Pastor? You stop. You rest. You delight, and you contemplate. Peace Cazero gives, this, gives these four movements that you can do. God stopped, you desist. God rest, you rest. God delighted. He says that he stopped from all of the marvelous things that he had done, all the work that he was doing. 
This is a great invitation for you to take that time to look at all the beautiful things that God is doing, even in the most difficult period of your life. Lord, I see your providence in that situation. It gives you time to think and to delight and to delight in God's creation and delight in the work that God has been doing. It gives you time to do that. It doesn't always feel natural, but, but this is a beautiful time to do it. Secondly, desist from both paid and unpaid labor. Both paid and unpaid labor. All right? So, so, so listen, um, um, if getting out in the field and planting, if that's not labor to you, okay, that's fine. You don't have to do it. I mean, you can, you can get out there and, and, and do it. However, this is my call to both husbands and wives, friends. I don't want to see your honey-do list on my Sabbath day. Yeah, we have this conversation often. I love my wife. She loved me. Get those lists away from me. I don't want to read it. This is my time to be before the Lord and to be with my family, and to be with his creation. It's not time to get things done. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It says, listen, do desist. Lastly, I would say prepare in advance. Prepare in advance. I remember when I went to Israel and how much they had given thought to preparing for the Sabbath to make sure that they didn't uh, work. And, as, and, and we say what we want about that, but as I was sitting at the table during Shabbat, there was much preparation around it. And there's other things you can do to signal that this is the start of my Sabbath. You can light a candle, you, you, you can, you can uh, shoot a start gun uh, if it's legal in your county. It, it, not in California, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's helpful to you. Uh, here, you could do something that signals that this is the start of my Sabbath and make sure that you take it seriously. Listen, we need Sabbath. God gives it to us. It is a rhythm, and it's a rhythm that is a gift. Let me close on this right now for us here. Scripture teaches us that in creation, God gives this Sabbath at the very beginning, but it also teaches us that there is this new creation that is coming, and this new creation that has been inaugurated through the work of Jesus with saving souls and bringing people who were far from him, near him, that, were, that didn't know him, but now know him. That's the start of his new creation. And it says here, and that we give into Scripture, we see that, that Christ was both the mediator of that work, as he's the center of that work, as all things were created through him, but he's also the mediator of this new creation through the work that he did on the cross on behalf of us sinners. Amen? But it also includes a Sabbath rest. We learn here that the rest is not simply offered to us in, in just a day, but it's offered in, to us in a, in a person. And Jesus says that all along, listen, Jesus says that I am your rest. And I give you means that you can experience my rest. And one of the means I give you is even this day. I like what one commentator says here as it closes, that the essence of the world to come is eternal Sabbath. And the seventh day in time is an example of eternity. One way you can look at this is that on Sabbath, we practice eternity in time. We have this invitation to practice what it's going to be like to be with Jesus and, and only be with Jesus with no distractions and no warring off things that tries to steal our joy and our peace. There's coming a time where all we will have is to be before the joy and the love of Jesus. And I want that. You want that. We desperately need that, and it's found in a person. 
and reminded as the musicians are coming back up now, we're reminded in Hebrews 4, 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. It says that, listen, there's this invitation for us to rest from our works. Brothers and sisters, as I leave you today, listen, there's an invitation for me and my frantic soul. And there's an invitation for you. We're made of the same stuff, so I know that you're dealing with the same stuff. There's an invitation for you to rest from your work. To rest from your work, working for the approval and and working to make yourself worthy and and working that you may be be loved and working, you don't have to do that. God says, no, I I love you. I I, I love you and and, and you don't have to dress up for me and you don't have to perform and you don't have to have another accolade on your resume. I love you. The invitation that we have here is to make every effort to enter into that rest by receiving this light that is coming to the world, this Jesus Christ, and also receiving all the gifts that he has for us. I wonder if anyone is burdened today and heavy laden today. Let us receive the rest of our Lord. Pray with me. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.